0: schooled in the ways of runaway slaves i'm brave i'm unchained i
1: project- this is the church politics podcast with michael Ware and justin Gibney. justin how are you we're we're in june we're, we're uh heading headlong into summer uh and it's it's uh it's heating up in more ways than one
0: <laughs> It is heating up, especially in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had a rare, for one, I'm just amazed that it's, all, the year is almost halfway over. This has definitely been like the quickest year of my life. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, but that, that's crazy to me. Uh, but I did have a rare weekend off, no speaking engagements or traveling. Uh, so that was fun. I think I've said on here before that I am hosting, uh, my family reunion here in Atlanta in a couple of weeks. So I was just preparing for that, you know, having a little fish fry, making sure that I was, uh, uh, prepared uh oh, so that yeah. everybody has a good time and all that stuff. Now, let me ask this question. And I'm not, you know, uh <laughs> he, he, hear my hear my heart on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are Black folks the only folks that have family reunions? No, no. Uh, the
1: Gambino family reunion is uh held in Buffalo, New York every year. So uh that that's my mother's side of the family. So so it's gotcha. ha- Italians too. Italians have So have is it just, New- just
0: Italians and blacks? I uh, I think, I'm, I'm really I think so. Family it's <laughs> uh
1: yeah I'm not it's sure. an interesting question right so let's do
0: this folks if you know better hit us up add us on our twitter which is church politics add us on twitter let us know if your family also has family reunions because i'm just not familiar with a lot of other groups having family reunions so i'd like to know inform me please
1: yeah and i I'll, I'll just add to that uh what we, we i, I want to get a sense of what kind of what kind of food is involved in these reunions? And, and let's see if we could get a sense of, of what's, uh, uh what's happening in that way. Uh, Justin, I actually think the, the fish fry is a pretty cross-cultural thing. Uh, uh, so I, I think you're really, uh, you're opening up, uh, your, your family picnic to be a, a multicultural event. <laughs>
0: yeah i don't know how multicultural it will be not that we would be against it being multicultural but but that's good to know it's good yeah, to know yeah. that we're not alone in that
1: yeah just don't just don't let the catholics find out they'll come over and it'll be a
0: good time all invited man. all oh, invited you just gotta find them.
1: yeah well we uh we uh, uh we went up to penn state uh penn state area to get together uh With my wife's side of the family this weekend uh her grandfather and uh father are penn state uh, uh penn state folks and um but we we had a good time up there. Penn State has a creamery that was established in like the eighteen nineties uh because they have a huge agricultural school, so they have this huge like ice cream dairy production on campus so for folks driving through like central. Pennsylvania kind of outside of Pittsburgh uh, make sure you stop at the at the creamery It's uh, some of the best ice cream in the country and they have all different kinds of flavors that students and, and others have worked out uh, that, that work on food science so it, it, that was uh, that was a, a good part of my weekend and it's it's a good drive from DC Justin. I, I like driving um, and so it's you know three and a half hours each way from DC and
0: then, uh, it worked out pretty well. See, we share that, man. I love going on road trips. Um, my, my wife likes it a little bit. I like it a lot. So each, every year we try to go on maybe two in the, two in the summer, two in the winter road trips. I'm with you on that, brother. Okay. That's good.
1: Well, uh, Justin, we have uh, quite a bit as usual to talk about, uh, this week, uh, this, uh, on Sunday, uh, Rudy Giuliani was doing the Sunday shows again, uh, and really perked up conversation about, uh, presidential pardon, specifically uh, whether uh, President Trump would pardon himself, uh, and of course, this comes after uh, you, you know uh, President Trump made uh, uh, the the only more dishonorable thing that President Trump could do uh, uh, than uh, pardon Dinesh D'Souza is pardon himself, and I say that in jest, but not really. <laughs> so right. he pardoned Dinesh D'Souza this past week, which was. You know another one of those bizarro world occurrences but justin what what can you tell us about presidential pardons and and do you think uh do you think there's a likelihood that the president would would pardon himself
0: good question so so to start with the background in article 2 section 2 clause 1 of the united states constitution it says this uh the president shall have the power To grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States of America, except in cases of impeachment. Of course, that's referring to the presidential pardon power. Now, it speaks of pardons and reprieves. And just so you know, a reprieve lessens a sentence, but the conviction would still stand. So let's say that Michael got a 10 year sentence and I was the president. I could say, hey, you're only going to I'm going to give you a reprieve. You're only going to know—serve serve five years. That's a reprieve. On the other hand, a pardon actually removes the conviction and it allows the person who's being pardoned to escape the criminal consequences. So that can happen once somebody has been convicted or, and, and, um, it can happen. It has to happen once they've been convicted, but sometimes even after they serve the time. Um, and so we saw some folks who got pardons who had already served, but it would wipe away the conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I think people need to understand, cause a lot of people are like, well, this is crazy. How could he pardon these people? You gotta understand that whether we like it or not, the pardon power is one of the broadest powers that it are, that is given to the president. Uh, none of the other branches have a check on the president's pardon power. And there are only a few requirements, uh, in, in regard to that, the pardons. Number one, it has to be a federal offense. Um, number two, it has to be criminal. It can't be a civil, uh, uh, issue. And number, uh, number three, it can't deal with impeachment. So I, I truly believe that if the president were to uh give himself a pardon, that he would actually be impeached. But once that process has started, he cannot he cannot do that for himself. And so that's kind of where those lines are drawn. The other thing I think we should look at is what is the purpose? What were the founding fathers thinking when they say, hey, we should give our president this ability to give people pardons? And here's here's the statement from uh, Alexander Hamilton. He says this. He said, without exceptions in favor of unfortunate guilt, unfortunate guilt, um, justice would wear a countenance too cruel. Uh, what I think he is saying here is that criminal justice, number one, is just not an exact science. We all know that. So that laws, juries and judges can get it wrong. And really, the pardon power is there from what I from what I read uh, to advance fairness and proportionality, really to temper justice, as it said, with mercy. Um, and as Christians, we should understand that. Uh, we know that we have a God of of justice, but that we not none of us are really getting our just dessert because there is mercy there and we should be able to appreciate that. And so that's really what it's about. We see that Trump is giving some very controversial pardons, but he's not the first to do that. And actually, right. more recently, these pardons have been used for what some would call political gain instead of what I think this should be used for is your ordinary citizen who's in a bad situation, who had a very hard case or some very hard facts. Um, and and we're, we're trying to give them some mercy. We've been using them a lot differently. So let me give you a few examples. Uh, George, D- H- D- George H. George H.W. Bush uh, pardoned the officials involved in the uh, Iran-Contra uh, issue. Uh, Bill Clinton uh, pardoned Mark Rich, who was the fugitive billionaire who was indicted on 51 51- Counts of fraud and tax evasion after fleeing the country to Switzerland. Uh, apparently, it said that his wife had donated large sums to some of the Clinton initiatives and most re- more recently, Obama pardoned Chelsea Manning, uh, who some consider to be a traitor. So we see a lot of these uh, different instances lately with the last three or four presidents that have been used differently than I think the founders may have intended. But then again, this is a very broad power. I'll just end with this. I mean, Trump seems to be almost trolling with some of his pardons. Yes. Uh, one of the first pardons we saw was the Arizona sh- the sheriff, Joe Apio. Um He was pardoned from a criminal contempt conviction that was related to his treatment of Latinos. Basically, he was taking Latinos who he thought might be illegal and he was treating them very poorly And a court, ordered him to stop. And he just refused to stop. And Trump actually uh, incredibly gave him a, a pardon. And then you just mentioned it, Dinesh D'Souza, uh, and I said that completely wrong, but um he pled guilty to violating federal campaign finance laws uh, by creating a fake by creating fake donors. So really what he was doing is when you give federally or any, you know, to any candidate, there's a certain amount that you can give to one campaign. Well, he was trying to get around that or circumvent it by actually creating fake people to say they were giving instead of him giving, which allowed him to give more then was actually allowed, and Trump said that <laughs> he, he received this pardon because he was treated very uh he was not treated very fairly um mm-hmm. <laughs> even though even though he admitted to doing it and pled pled guilty right that was the reasoning for it so it's a it's an odd situation we may not like it, but nothing I see says that he doesn't have the power to do it
1: yeah and you know I think the mark rich case is a Interesting example to uh, to uh, bring up. I haven't looked in the details of this case, so I, I just want to put that to the side. But I, I'll note that this might uh, the, the rich pardon might be an example of this as well. But uh, just to focus on uh, Trump's car- uh, pardons, the two you have mentioned, uh, y- you know, it, it's like y- y- you can't be using the pardon power as a way to signal to others that if you get in trouble, but. Uh, you get in trouble supporting me or advancing my political goals, then you'll, you'll get a, get out of jail free pass. Uh, and, and that's really the message that seems to be, I mean, to, to have the president use a, use a pardon in the middle of his first term. I mean, so that's right. The rich pardon came at the end of, uh, President Clinton's two terms in office. Uh, uh, which, uh, you, you know, to, to, to do this before the midterms, to be using that pardon power uh, in, in this way, it seems to me to be uh, using even an executive authority like this that, as you noted, ha- has no checks or balances on it from, from other uh, 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 from, from the legislature or the judiciary, uh, is just another example of Trump using his power for personal aggrandizement and to, you know, make liberals cry. Uh, it's, it's a significant problem. I agree with you. I think, uh, on the idea of Trump pardoning himself, I think, uh, I think ethically there's nothing Uh, given this administration's ethics that would hold them back from doing it. But I think they just enjoy having the idea out there as kind of a distraction to get people kind of all wound up. And, you know, it's you know, for me, it's working. I think, (laughs) you know, like the idea of the president pardoning himself and abusing his authority in that way is is pretty uh, upsetting. So it's almost secondary whether he'd actually do it or not uh they're accomplishing something just by having rudy giuliani go on the morning shows and raise it as a possibility
0: yeah the backlash doesn't seem to be a deterrent for uh the trump administration wow. i think they almost revel in you know the people who they expect to attack them and in seeing them attack and kind of revving up their base and so uh it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation, but I think we all should be looking at how this should be used. There are thousands of cases of people who could probably use this a mm-hmm. lot better than some of the people that have received them from from the last three, three or four presidents. Yeah. So we should you know, we should in any way we can encourage it to be used in the way that the founders had in mind for people who are really in a situation where they might have received uh, uh, they might have received uh, a guilty a guilt, guilty conviction. But really, at the end of the day, they could use some mercy and we should be seeking out those cases and making sure that that we're as helpful as possible. Yeah. Uh,
1: Well, uh, let's go to a quick break. When we get back, we're going to cover a couple headlines from the past week and talk about uh, the Trump administration's uh, tariffs that they've imposed. We'll be right back. This is the Church Politics Podcast.
0: I love my family. I'm best friends with my dad. And then this 2016 election cycle came up, and it really drove a wedge in between some of us. Donald Trump's the first person that got us. He's the first person to actually at least pretend to give a damn about us.
1: Check out Depolarize, the podcast that fights against tribalism and incivility by searching for common ground at the intersection of politics, psychology, and faith. This season, we look closely at the phenomenon of white evangelical support for Donald Trump and the many difficult related questions that are begging
0: to be answered.
1: Two grown men picked him up, a 15 year old kid, and threw him as hard as they could off the hood of the car. Uh, and it's shocking. It's shocking. His whole, all his teeth came out. Uh, he's bleeding all over the place. And they look. They look to us, right? They say, "You fucking niggers. This is what happens to you."
0: God isn't far away. God is with us now, here, now. Every moment matters. I
1: don't know why I'm crying. It just, it just hurts.
0: Find Depolarize
1: on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back with the church politics podcast And before we jump to talking about uh, President Trump's tariffs, uh, I-, I did want to uh, I-, I thought it would be good just to update on some stories that we've talked about in previous episodes. Uh, the-, the first would be that uh, apparently after an on again off again uh, uh, kind of uh, saga, uh, uh, apparently, uh, as of today, the uh, the Trump summit, uh with uh North Korea's Kim Jong Un is on for later this month it, it seems to be uh a te- to to be a summit that will have lower stakes than uh, both sides had been sort of putting out uh uh, uh months ago uh it, it looks like North Korea has not prepared to uh give up its nuclear ambitions and it looks like uh in some ways this might be sort of a saving face move uh, for the Trump administration to at least be able to hold the summit, which would be historic in itself. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll stay posted, uh, on the, uh, on the summit, but it looks like that is back on after it was, it, it was off for a bit. And then the second ha- headline, Justin, uh, the unemployment numbers are at 3.8, uh, created over 200,000 jobs, uh, last month and, uh, African American unemployment is the lowest. Uh, it's, it's been in a very long time. Uh, uh, really incredible job numbers coming out from this administration, which, uh, are, are something we should all be able to celebrate, uh, regardless of the political implications. Uh, more people are back at work. We even saw wages increase, uh, not enough, but we saw uh, uh an uptick in wages uh justin uh w- what uh it, 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 pretty incredible job numbers even even though you know i should note trump sort of preempted uh the release of these numbers which is not something that's supposed to be uh happening with a with a tweet uh on friday morning uh that kind of set uh, uh might have uh messed with the markets uh, a bit and may mess with the markets moving forward some people have speculated you know it it, since he tweeted once about how good the job numbers are next month, if he doesn't tweet, does that mean the numbers aren't so good? And should, and should, you know, folks trading on the stock, stock market take that into consideration? But, uh, Justin, what, what was your sort of quick take on, on these job numbers? And, you know, specifically I'm interested in what you think Democrats, how Democrats should respond to this.
0: Well, I, the numbers are remarkable. I think everybody should be happy about where those numbers are. There's obviously going to be some disagreement on why the, the numbers are where they are. Uh, some people will say it's it's definitely uh, a product of the tax cuts that Republicans were pushing. Others will say that that's not the case. Um, but either way, we should be happy about where this is going, where this is trending and, and hope that we can do things to keep it going in the right direction. Uh, we went through a long, you know, a long period where we were uh Where our our empo- unemployment rate was way too high, and so everybody should be excited about that. And as you said, put politics aside. I do think we still need to to keep in um keep in mind that while that rate looks a lot better, incomes aren't necessarily going up. Uh And, and so when we talk about the wage gap, when we talk about what working ca- class families are really suffering from, it's awesome that they have jobs, and I hope that I don't want to take away from that. So I don't, I don't want to sound like that. <laughs> But if these are jobs where we still have inflation, where it's more expensive to live and, and people's incomes act aren't actually going up, it's good, but it's not really solving the problem. So I'm hoping uh, that the next thing we'll hear is that somehow we're getting incomes to, to raise along with um other good things that are happening with the economy. But I'll take it as far as Democrats. I think you have to you have to bite the bullet. Um, this is very it's, it's a good thing that these numbers are where they are, but you have to have a plan um and i think this goes further towards the idea that you can't just be anti trump what is your plan if you're going to say okay well that's great that we do have uh less unemployment how are we going to get those incomes to 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 rise do yeah. you have a plan for that if you don't have a plan for that and you're just going to point out the negative then you may very well lose this could have an effect on, uh, on these next elections that are coming up. The issue of the one other things that I would point out is that people are still saying they don't quite feel the impact just yet. So that right. the impact of, of this better economy hasn't trickled down to some extent to, to some people. And that may be coming soon. I mean, the more people that are employed, the better. So we'll just see how the, how this works out. But you have to be honest. This is a good thing. You don't have to make it into a negative, but it could be better. Do you have a plan to make it better? I think that's the best posture and it's the posture that's more most constructive for uh the voters and everyday Americans.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, to move to our next topic it, uh, though, uh you know, I think this relates to it. Uh, you know, President Trump has made an argument that he's going to be looking out for uh american's interests first and america's economy first and you know, what we've talked uh, uh quite a bit about how uh, in some cases so far in, in our view that that hasn't been the case, uh but when you you get solid economic numbers like this uh, that come out. Uh, even the New York Times uh, economics writer he he wrote a, a article um, looking at the numbers, and the whole article the 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 sort of uh, the narrative of the article was him trying to find. Uh, synonyms for good, uh, and running out at the end. But in other words, like the numbers looked so good from so many different directions that he, he just didn't know any other way to say it by the time he was mm-hmm. done with the article. Uh, and you know, when we go to these tariffs, which, you know, there, there's definitely, and we'll get into this, you know, a solid economic ar- argument that not only is this, you know, harmful to some of our allies, but that it ultimately will come back and affect us. Trump's going to have, uh, a lot stronger foot footing. Uh, if he can say to the people, Hey, listen, trust me. Look at how the economy is doing now. Look at where unemployment numbers are. Trust me on, on tariffs. I, you know, I've been making international deals my whole life. This is another one of them. Uh, and, and y'all should just go with me on this. Uh, and I, I think it's, um, uh, uh, this is a, it's going to be hard to argue against these tariffs from a political standpoint. Uh, While the economy is is in the shape it is. But uh, Justin, would you uh, help explain to folks what happened with these tariffs that were imposed? Uh, I know Justin Trudeau was not very was not very happy. Our European allies were not happy. But break down for folks uh, what what transpired this
0: past week. Sure and th- and this should have been a surprise to no one. I mean Trump, well th- the allies part should be maybe a little bit of a surprise, but we know that Trump ran on making trade more fair to for Americans. Basically saying our trade deals and the way we do it in general just as bad for Americans and I'm going fi- to fix this. This was part of the entire um um Americans first uh idea. And so uh, when you're trying to talk about trade and you want to make change Tariffs can be a part of that. Now, tariffs haven't been used as much recently, but it's something that was used a lot more in the past. And just so you know, a tariff is basically just a tax on imported goods. And so if there are goods coming from a country outside of America, then there will be a tax on those goods. There are two types of tariffs. There are unit or specific tariffs, which is basically a tax on each unit of the goods. So how many units you push. That's going to tell you how much you're going to be taxed. And then there's an ad uh, valorem ta- uh, tariff, which is taxed based on the value of the good. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe these were uh, were ad valorem ta- uh, tariffs uh, in this case. And please, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, tariffs are used for different reasons. And so a lot of times people would say tariffs are used to protect American industries and to raise revenues. Now, based on what's going on, these recent tariffs, is being said, could raise about four forty point four billion dollars for the United States government. Um, the interesting thing, what was most controversial about this conversation was that Trump uh, levied the tariffs against U.S. allies. And, and it was kind of a, he levied against them, but really he was just removing an exemption. So Canada, Mexico and the U- European Union were exempt from some tariffs that he had already put out there and he removed that exemption. People were seriously upset about that. Now, critics would say we already heard why tariffs. Some people might think tariffs are good, but critics would say that uh, tariffs are actually counterproductive uh, because they start trade wars. uh, They make Americans pay more for the goods that they're getting. And so you're not really getting out of it what you're seeking, because the countries that are importing stuff are just going to make us pay for whatever that that tariff is. They're just going to put that amount into what they're charging us. Um, and you can see even when the, these, uh, tariffs were announced that the allies that we, that we ended up, um, taxing Canada, Mexico and the European Union announced retaliatory tariffs, basically saying, well, we're, you're putting us in, in a position where we're going to have to do the same thing to you. And people say, well, see, that's why it's counterproductive. Now, this is an interesting back and forth because some Democrats actually supported this. Right. Um, and so some labor unions are saying, no, this is good for us. We're glad that the president did what he's doing. And then on the other side, you had uh, folks like Senator Corker, uh, Paul Ryan, who were saying this is awful. We have to do something about this to get the president off of this tariff uh, uh, um, uh, initiative, because this is actually going to hurt American workers. So you're hearing it from both sides. I'm going to be honest. I'm not an economist. I have a, a, a pretty good understanding of all of this, but I'm not exactly sure how it's going to end up at the end of the day. And the truth is. A lot of people might not be exactly sure, no matter how much uh, how much authority they they have they may have on the issue. So we'll just have to see in the long term. Uh, maybe the president is 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 uh, just doing this for the short term. Maybe he's trying to prove something. Who knows what the long game is? I do hope that it is a it is within a, a larger plan, right? That this has been thought out and that it's going to be something that actually helps Americans and and maybe does some of the things we were talking about earlier, which is raise incomes, which is which with a lower unemployment rate, the next thing that we have to talk about is incomes. And if this doesn't do that, then it may not be worth it. But we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, so former Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke uh, and Joseph Stieglitz uh, believe that additional ster- steel tariffs would actually damage the U.S. economy. That's what they wrote to Trump in the open letter. Yeah, The car manufacturers have come out suggesting that uh, across the board, uh tariffs or other restrictions on imports of steel would only quote widen the existing price gap by increasing the price of US steel and thus the cost of US built vehicles uh so it, it, the 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 coalitions here as you noted are, are very interesting I, I will just note you know one thing i I, fit, I feel like trump fits into one way in which he is a reaction to the obama administration uh, was that, uh, the Obama administration really started to send the message that may, may be important long term, but was certainly, uh, uh, disheartening for, uh, many in the short term, which is that America's foreign policy toolbox just doesn't have the effectiveness now that it did in previous eras when we were the sole sort of hegemonic power. And, you know, all the all these different uh, uh, reasons where, you know, you, you'd you read it and you'd be like, well, that makes sense. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I think what a lot of the American people and certainly people who were more aggressive on foreign policy uh, would would uh, thought that the Obama administration just simply wasn't willing to use uh, America's full weight and might to uh, to to level the playing field, as Trump said, these steel tariffs would do uh, or, or just to, um, to to get America a better deal. And uh, Trump's assertiveness here, uh, imposing tariffs in a way that there's kind of like an establishment consensus that this is a bad thing to do, uh, I think is in some ways a reaction to and part of why Trump is successful is it's no, America still has. A, a, a lot of power and we're gonna be willing to to use that power uh in a way that maximizes he hopes uh you, you know our advantages and you know we'll we'll have to see uh uh how what how other nations respond as you know to justin other nations have responded with uh uh, t- uh sort of uh retaliatory tariffs uh we'll see if there's a there's a longer uh you know uh runway to this uh but it's 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 an aggressive move from from trump uh that uh that, that will will uh it'll be interesting to see how it plays out i was interested uh justin uh Marco Rubio said instead of uh i believe it was Marco Rubio said that instead of imposing uh tariffs on europe we should be working with europe uh to put economic pressure. Uh, on russia uh and so you know that plays into this too is this is this really the time uh for us to be starting up uh economic really sanctions or penalties for uh allies in Europe and in Canada uh when we have far more aggressive uh
0: adversaries out there yeah, that's true. Uh, this is a hard one because it, it's hard to tell whose interests different people are representing. Now we hope everybody's representing the American workers interest, right? right. But you never know, you know, what constituency someone, might, someone might ha- have their eye on. And I would so certainly hope that when it comes to trade, that, you know, the European Union or others wouldn't sacrifice holding Russia accountable for the many things that they've done, not just to us, but to others and the potential that they have to ruin things to say, you know, because trade, we're going to do something differently than what's be- what's best right, right, for right. the rest of the world. I guess that could happen. Uh, I would hope they would not react that way. I mean, this is this is back and forth. I think even if it is wrong, even if it does end up being counterproductive, it's not illegal. Uh, it's not yeah, unethical. Yeah, right. And yeah. so, you know, that's one of those things to say, hey, we may be allies, but we've got to negotiate on, on this end. And we've got to really see if what we're doing makes sense. And we're not telling you that you can't react in whatever way you want. You you need to. But right, right, right. even raising prices and doing all those other things, that affects the product, too. So so they can say we're just you know, we're going to we're going to bring tariffs or we're going to charge more or whatever. But that affects them, too. And so it may not be as easy as people are saying. Nobody wants a trade war, but we'll just have to see how it ends up. It's it's really hard to tell if you're not at the table uh, are really on the inside of some of these economic conversations
1: yeah I'm I'm gonna be interested to see uh how some of these 2018 uh incumbents uh w- or really any of the candidates uh running respond to this I, I think when you look at uh some of these races especially those in uh West Virginia Indiana Missouri uh Th- this this could be a we could see some surprising answers from candidates uh, again, as you said, Justin, the 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 sort of the the political incentives here are not so uh, clean cut as they are on other issues. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, when we get back, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back. Uh we're we're gonna touch on you know the big social media controversy or series of controversies from last week uh involving Roseanne and Samantha B. Uh and we have a couple other topics we want to get to. Uh we'll see after the break. This is the Church Politics Podcast. Okay. And we're back at the Church Politics Podcast. Uh Justin, I um I made a decision at the beginning of this week to uh, limit my, uh, my tweets to one tweet a day. Uh, this was in part in reaction to just the fact that, um, so much of the immigration stories that came out over the last week or two ended up to be at best sort of, uh, half true or sort of conflations of a bunch of different stories. In other cases, it just seemed were like flat out false. Um, uh, and, and I just felt like I needed to try for, for a week, just test out uh, what it uh, what would be the upsides and downsides of sort of uh, slowing down sort of social media engagement. And I'll, I'll share at some point sort of what I what I learned just from that week long experiment. Uh, but I will say um, some of these controversies, like the ones that played out this week seem uh seem like real like the most important thing when you're in the mix and sort of on social media and what if if you're not tweeting about them or if you know especially if you only hear about them second hand uh they seem like ridiculous flash in the pan kind of kind of stuff uh but uh so at, you know in a week when we had uh pardons when we had uh tariffs being imposed when we had negotiations with North Korea going on. If you ask people, a lot of people on social media, what was the big news story of this past week? I, I bet it would be this. Uh, so the, the the background here is in a reply to a tweet. Uh, well so this is how it started. In a, in a reply to a tweet, uh Roseanne Barr, who uh, had the number one sitcom on television this this past season uh replied um to someone who raised Valerie Jarrett uh saying that Valerie Jarrett's somehow uh, uh equaled uh, a combination of uh a planet of the apes and Muslim Brotherhood which is a, a clear obvious uh, racial slur Valerie uh, was a former colleague I, I think highly of her professionally also consider her a friend so just put out that sort of disclaimer uh uh, but uh people saw roseanne tweet this uh in her replies uh and like from 8 a.m to 2 p.m it was full out sort of twitter mob calls for her to be uh for her show to be taken down which uh just also to be i think it sh- it should have been i don't think that you you uh, a network should hey uh, i have to be associated with someone who's sharing stuff like this on social media and by like 2 p.m. justin uh a- abc had uh, released a statement saying the show uh would be w- would be taken off the air which is pretty unprecedented uh, again the number one show on on network television uh, we're going to get to the second part of this story, but, but just in just, a uh, we were, uh, c- talking with each other throughout the week about as this sort of unfolded, but, uh, talk about just the Roseanne, Valerie Jarrett, ABC part of this, uh, this controversy.
0: Well, I'll start off by saying, uh, ABC did the right thing. Um, Roseanne Barr deserved to lose her show and it was a highly rated show, um, and she deserved to lose that based on what she said about uh former senior advisor, Valerie uh, Jarrett, although that sh- just shouldn't have been said it was inflammatory. Uh, it was uh, completely inappropriate and unacceptable. And there's no defense of, of, uh, of what she said uh, just should not have happened. She, you know, I'm glad she apologized. Um, there were, you know, different excuses that were made afterwards, but you just, you just shouldn't go there. Um The, 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 blowback was not surprising either right that people were so upset about it you know it's hard And maybe maybe this is my fault you know but it's hard for me to just get that upset about a comedian saying something ridiculous right not that it was right not that she shouldn't have lost her show but it's not going to ruin my week right it's not it's not going to impact me in this way and i think this is again another example of where The lines are blurred between substantive politics and entertainment. Yep. Once, you know, (laughs) why is this something that we need to talk about all day, every day? They made a decision. She's gone. Let's move on. There's so many other things, whether it be poverty, criminal justice, all these other things we could be talking about and that could be taking up uh, time and, and we can be getting information on. And we're talking about this ridiculous statement that everybody knows is ridiculous. And then it becomes tribal. Uh, and that was one of the other issues you know. for me. Again, I'll say this over and over again. She should have lost her job. That was not OK. However. Are we supposed to celebrate that? Um, sometimes it seems for people on the left and many of my friends and people I know that we live for this moment. Mm. It's like, yes, we got one of them. We hurt one of them. They hurt us. We hurt one of them. Am I really supposed to celebrate that she lost her job? Am I supposed to be celebrating that she was put in her place or am I supposed to be praying that maybe she'll learn something and be better? Yeah. Uh, Am I praying that maybe, you know, this won't ruin her life, that this won't be the last time that she can be redeemed? I think that should be the position. But even from Christians, I'm saying everywhere. Yes, we got her. I don't feel sorry for her. She deserved it. She might have deserved it. But to celebrate that, what does it say about us? to act like that was a huge victory for the week, even though it probably didn't do a whole lot for your life. It probably did less for you or for this nation than you think. <laughs> but why are we acting like this is just the biggest victory in this huge celebration? I don't I don't get that. Right. Um, and I, I don't know that's that's how Christians should be reacting to this. I can say somebody may have deserved something or that I understand why something happened. That does not mean that I need to celebrate it like I've had this huge victory when at the end of the day, yeah, she's gone. But we have this we have this discourse that is just in a terrible state. And none of that has changed.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, it was, you know, very predictable. So this happens with Roseanne and the right started looking for whose head they could put uh, on on a stake on their end. And uh, they they made an attempt to go after Bill Maher, uh, Bill Maher. At, Uh, one point he he's done in my opinion, much worse than this, but they, uh, they pointed out that president, uh, he put up, he compared president Trump to an orangutan, uh, and, uh, but that wasn't catching fire. And so, uh, you know, thankfully, I I guess for them, uh, Samantha B gave them an out by, uh, by, uh, referring to Ivanka Trump using, uh, a very inappropriate uh, sexist slur. Uh, And and, uh, Liz Brunig points out in her Washington Post column, uh, her her most recent, uh, something that I I think sounds right, which is that, uh, well, all the the focus was on B using that term. uh, And this is Brunig here. B went on to suggest that Trump ought to wear something tight and low cut to persuade her father to stop separating undocumented families at the border which struck me as the more obscene half of the act and so this was this was a segment on B's uh comedy show which definitely has a a, a tone and uh uh you know a personality to it etc uh but but this was you know obviously a more uh conservatives felt like they could dig into this and uh, called for Samantha B's head as, you know, pretty explicit retribution for what happened with Roseanne. The uh, TBS has not canceled the show, but, uh, advertisers have canceled, uh, major adver- advertisers, including State Farm and Auto Trader. Uh, and so we'll, we'll see B-, B might end up, uh, being in trouble here too. And it's this, Justin, it's this, this politics of sort of, uh, tribal retribution that as as you noted isn't really even politics it's it's cultural warfare that uses uh at its whim sort of political infrastructure uh, uh to 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 do its work uh but but this isn't this isn't uh yeah. this isn't this isn't politics uh in in the sense that that we usually talk about politics uh so it just in uh, w- there's no kind of like if we keep on responding to each other in this kind of way it's just a vicious vicious spiral downwards uh Liz brunig in this column today uh she she sort of zeroed in on the fact that uh uh, the headline of the piece is, we are no longer capable of forgiving our enemies. And she closes her article uh, by by saying, uh, by asking, uh, it, it, she says, it doesn't have to be like this, but neither can the decision to change it be left up to someone else. What would it take for you to forgive whichever of these two women who has offended you more? I love that question. What would it take for you to forgive Whichever of these two women who has offended you more, not just to ignore them or release them into the icy waters of vague contempt, but to wish them well or well enough and perhaps one day give them a chance to make you laugh. Uh, I I think uh, Liz is on a similar track as you here, Justin, which is, uh, gosh, should this should these kinds of fights really be taking up? this amount of emotional space in our lives and in our politics.
0: It shouldn't. Um, And this just shows within our culture that to forgive is weakness. And and, Mm. and until we show that it's actually a very, uh, a a sign of strength, then we're going to be in this situation, but there's something else at play here, um, which to me seems like a very desperate that we're very desperate for representation, and also for enemies that fit our narrative. Okay. Right. So you have Roseanne, yeah. and for whatever reason, Roseanne, the conservatives really claimed Roseanne because she had a show, a television show that was, that's, they made her a conservative somewhat, yeah. that was aimed at the working class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So conservatives wrapped their arms around this. We're going to, this is going to be great, gave it great ratings, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem with that is that she's not really even conservative in real life. Right. Right. I mean, if you were calling 2012 she ran on the green party ticket yeah she was she was part of the green party this is entertainment these are actors i don't know what her personal beliefs are but to paint her because what what the other side happened is once the the conservatives really claimed her then the left once she used these words they imputed that onto all conservatives Mm -hmm. right so see how conservatives act; see how they talk yeah But at the end of the day, this is an actor, this is a comedian who's going to try to be provocative, who's at the end of the day, if you look at even some of the stuff within the show was not stuff that was in the uh, conservative, you know, the social conservative framework. It was way outside of that framework. But yet we want an enemy that fits that narrative or others want that representation to say, hey, we're getting back at them. We're winning within pop culture, too. And at the end of the day, it's not even real. Yeah. (laughs) None of this stuff is real. And we're basing putting so much of our time into it, putting our identity into it, which to me is part of the problem with, uh, you know, this whole identitarian issue that we're having today, which identity is important, but it's not everything. And we see how a show and entertainment can just blow everything out of proportion. And somebody who said something ridiculous that should have gotten punished, it turns into something that we had to concentrate on for a week while all these other issues take a back seat. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And we're really showing the brokenness and the need, as you said before, for us to police our own side. Yeah. This would have been a lot more productive if people turned and say, I'm on the left. Yeah. Samantha B. You need to stop doing that. We're going to stop rewarding that. Right. Because they're not going to stop doing it until we stop rewarding it. And entertainers are going to be entertainers. They're going to have to get, they're going to do what they have to do to get the ratings up. And as long as we keep giving them them the ratings on one side or another, then we can't really uh, we can't really complain because we're part of the problem. Yeah.
1: Uh, Your point about the uh, the way that we over identify with public figures, I think, is a really salient one when it comes to this. Uh, The extent to which people uh, identified with either Roseanne or Samantha B or identified their enemies with Roseanne or Samantha B. And and then went on to take these controversies as, as As personal as as sort of personal attacks on themselves, uh, uh, is is pretty pretty fascinating uh, to me. I'm going to be thinking about that uh, for a while. Uh, uh, Justin, let's say one more break. Uh, When we get back, uh, let's talk about this NBA Finals. Which uh, I mean, Game One felt like seven games in one. I mean, I I don't. This could be a a really epic series uh, as we see. Uh, a, a King James fight for his life, really. Uh, and then we want to talk about a, a, a great column from uh, from the last week uh, with a pretty novel idea about how to fix our politics. This is the Church Politics Podcast. All right, we're back at the Church Politics Podcast. And, and Justin, uh, did you watch game one of, of, uh, of the NBA Finals? Uh, it, it was something else.
0: It was something else. What stuck out to what stuck out to me was that Le- LeBron James and the Cavs were like, hey, we're not going to be pushovers. That's right. Uh, and so that while everybody thought they were going to get blown out, that's not what happened. So that first game was interesting. Honestly. The uh, the Golden State really got out of it and won that game, really not by their own doing right by by some mistakes made, some would say by the officials and also by uh, some of LeBron's teammates. And that's really what got him out of that. Now game two is going on as we speak. And I see the Cavaliers are down by just about ten in the third quarter. This may be a, a better series than we thought. It's hard. It's still hard, very hard for me to see the Cavs pulling that out. They just don't have enough, but you can't hate on the King, man. He's uh he's showing that he is he is one of the greatest. I'm not gonna take a position on that right now, but he is one, <laughs> one of the greatest that have ever played.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I I'm hesitant to say too much because our brother and friend Leon Scrump has made me very self-conscious and, and I think you know what I'm talking about. He, uh, he tweeted and, and I saw you retweeted, uh, <laughs> earlier this week, him, him saying something about, uh, w- when he hears people who haven't played college sports, at least college or professional sports, uh, talk about sports. He could tell right away. Uh, and, uh, brother, Justin, you played football, uh, at, at Vandy, right. And, uh, and, and I definitely did not. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm enjoying watching the game, but, uh, uh, I'll, I'm going to leave most of my commentary to the extent that I can to what I'm yelling at the TV. Uh, uh unless, unless Leon's wants to come in and give me permission, but, but until then, I'm going to hold back <laughs> a little bit.
0: <laughs> Look, everybody, that's what sports are for. Everybody has the opportunity to comment in any way they want to. Uh, that's what, that's what they're here for. This is entertainment. So don't take it that way. I think he was talking more just about the posture of how people come across. Are we respecting the athlete and what they have to go through to get to where they're, where they're at and do what they do? Uh, which is a whole nother subject, but no, nah, I hear you, man. It's, it's always back and forth. My, uh, another brother, uh, another pastor, John, I'm with Chekwa. We've been going back and forth because he was a huge Houston fan. And so we went back and forth on, uh, On the on uh, what was it on Twitter too? So it's been fun, man. I think that's what it's all about—a little trash talk—and that's how I took it. It is. It's a it's a ton of fun.
1: So I'm looking forward to seeing how the series goes. Uh, you know, just real quickly on on the hockey side, the Caps went up two one. I'm not a big overall hockey fan. I pay when when my Buffalo Sabers are in it. I'm paying attention when they're when they're not. I, I really don't. But uh, I live in DC. So, so to be here when the Caps have made the finals after years and years of, of trying and losing out, usually to the Penguins, uh, it's, it's been, it's been cool to be in the city while the Caps are, uh, on, on, uh, hopefully a title run, uh, of their own. So it's, it's a good time for sports. Training camps has started in football. So soon enough, uh, uh, soon enough that'll be, that'll be going. So, uh, uh, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a neck, a good next couple of weeks here uh, with both finals going on, uh, just in last topic, uh, for the show, uh, we were both reading and sending to each other, uh, this column, uh, from David Brooks with, uh, a, a, a pretty, I guess, novel in the American context. Though so some States have, have tried out similar so, uh, solutions. And, and basically I, I love the way David Brooks, uh, shared, shared the article. He, he said, uh, if uh, if, uh, Jonathan Chait, who, who's, a uh, a more liberal writer, if Jonathan Chait and I agree on something, it either means that we should definitely do it or no one should, uh, no, no one else should agree with us. Uh, and, and, uh, Brooks basically wrote this column about the idea of having, uh, congressional districts with multiple representatives. Uh, and, and the, uh, the idea would be, uh, that if you had uh a, a district um uh, maybe it would have uh, three representatives uh and let's say you know 60% of the district was uh a uh, 65% of the district voted republican uh 35% democratic instead of that district just having one republican representative uh uh the, you know in some ways disenfranchising or or not having political representation for uh for those 35% then that district would have for instance two republican representatives and one democrat uh w- which would uh promote people to vote so if you live in a district that's that's just always republican uh uh and so you don't even feel like your vote counts now your vote would in in some interesting uh, interesting ways. It would mean that representatives would have to appeal across their district, uh, because they'd want to make sure that they were in, uh, that they got enough votes to, to be one of their district's representatives. They wouldn't just be able to, uh, be content with having, uh, uh, with beating the Democrat or beating the Republican. Uh, just, I mean, I, I looked into this. I'm interested to see that Maine has, is kind of instituting this and uh hopefully it'll uh, it'll grow and sort of in a laboratories of democracy kind of mode we'll get to see how this works in maine uh b- but for for me it it seemed to take it, it seemed to address a lot of the key structural issues I'm seeing in our in our politics in a in a in in a pretty constructive way what, what did you think of of this proposal?
0: Yeah, my ears are open for this for this. Um, and, and so, again, this was David Brooks. It was a New York Times article entitled One Reform to Save America. Uh, and, and so he's talking about he's suggesting what we call proportional representation as a way really to save America from the perils of our two party systems stalemate. And this is this is one of the quotes that he has in here, Michael, which I thought was pretty good. He says the two parties no longer bend to the center. They push to the extremes where the donor bases and their media propaganda arms are more and more people feel politically homeless, alienated from both parties and without any say in how the country is run. Moreover, the whole way of practicing politics has been transformed. Each party imagines that it is one wave election from destroying the other uh, side and gaining total power. Partisans chief interest is in proving That the other party is despicable in ramping up fear, hatred and the negative polarization that is the central feature of contemporary American politics. Let me say that last part again, ramping up fear, hatred and the negative polarization that is the central feature of contemporary American politics. I think he hit it on the head with that one, and that's why my ears are open to a concept like this. The concept so significant. I mean, it'd be such a big change that I, I've been looking at this for probably about a year. I think somebody brought it up a couple of years ago too, in a serious way, and I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how it works and you know exactly what that would look like. But I'm open to I'm I'm, I'm open to hearing more about it, and I'm going to be doing a lot of research. Uh, to your point, when you're talking about proportional representation, uh, there's Two primary parts and you, you got the first one really well, which is multi-member districts. These are, you know, congressional districts that would likely be a little bit bigger and you would have multiple, um, representatives in one district. Yep. Um, the second part is ranked choice voting. Right. right, And so voters would rank candidates in the ballot and you could have multiple winners. Um, uh, so it's not a winner, you know, a winner takes all deal. Uh, so, you know, once you rank them, then the people who the people who got the least votes, they kind of get knocked out. And so you may get, you know, actually your second choice. And so your second vote uh, counts as well. It would you know, for people you know, like us who are who are struggling to, to kind of make sure that these parties are going where they want to go. We've said over and over again that we want strong parties. I'm not one of those people who says, man, I wish Democrats just controlled everything. Yeah. Personally, I don't trust either party to control everything right now. And so I think it's good when there's somewhat of a balance. If people can work together, if we can't get there, then having more than two parties might be the best way to go, especially for people that feel like, hey, I just don't fit on either of these extremes and they're not listening. You know, that donor base is really pushing them uh all over the place or at least away from me and i'm trying to figure out a way to get back into the game i'm grooving for the activists and graduates i'm an advocate for those feeling abandonment in the favelas and slums together with inhabitants it's like can anything good come out of nazareth say, the only thing good came out of nazareth this is a groove tell me can yeah. you it? i'm scolding the ways of runaway slaves i'm brave i'm unchained i'm frederick douglas with a fame.